Welcome to episode six of the Cocktail Cowgirl podcast. Today we are back in the reigning arena with our very own Tyler Smith. Tyler is one of Australia's very bright up and coming horse trainers. She has a plethora of accomplishments to her name and um, we're here today to breeding facility in Lancaster. And thanks so much, Tyler, for joining me today. Thanks for having me. No problem. So I wanted to catch up with you today because um, I think the very first year I started raining, I think, was your, not that you were new to riding rainers, but um, I think it was the first year that you started showing. Yeah, it was. Yeah, it was 2017, 16? I think that sounds about right. Yeah, and I just remember watching you ride and having pretty much no experience myself per se. I fluffed around and you came out on a beautiful mare, Chexy Oak, yeah. and I remember watching you run down and being like, holy shit, it was massive. And that just always um, stuck with me watching you ride and show over the years. And I just thought, you know, you are... You talked about before, young in the scheme of things, but I think you're, what you're doing and, and the future for you is, is going to be so interesting and so bright that I just wanted to see where you're at now, what the plan is, you know, how you've got to where you are. So let's just dive back a bit. So how, tell me, you know, who is Tyler Smith? Where did you grow up? What, what's got you to where you are now? Uh, so I um, grew up with my mum and dad in Chilton, Victoria, Dad was a really good rating trainer, non-pro rating trainer. Mum came from a line of pleasure horses and hunter under saddle and she went into reining as well with Dad. Um, I didn't have much interest in riding. I had a pony called Toledo. <laughs> I was feral. Yeah, like <laughs> did, the rest of us, yeah. <laughs> did whatever I want. Yeah. So, you weren't, so you weren't like horse crazy? You weren't no. like obsessed just no. to be around them? I just had my pony and yeah. I was happy. I'd go down the tr back of the place and ride. And yeah. With my 20 cats and a couple of dogs. And that <laughs> it's was all making it. sense now. <laughs> yeah. You were an early crazy cat lady. <laughs> yeah. Um, but from there we moved to Walker, just near Tamworth. Dad managed a massive big property up there with heaps of cattle. We had the cutting horses. Um, yeah, you are really involved in cutting early on, weren't you? Yeah, I was. With mum and dad we got into the cutting horses and I showed a fair bit and showed junior youth and... I want a fair bit, had some really good horses underneath me. Yeah. Um, but I got into the love of showing cattle. I went to school and they had a show cattle program there, a PLC yep. in Armidale, and that's where I got hooked. And then I wanted to go to boarding school and do it at Carossi. Um, I didn't know you went to boarding school. That's yeah. like, a, you know, tell me a little bit more about that. Um, boarding school was boarding school. I hated it. I had to be locked there. I couldn't do anything. I'm an outdoors person and always doing something. But yeah, um, I got into the show cattle. Did they have a big ag program, didn't massive, they? Massive. Massive and big successful ag program. Yeah. And one of the best in New South Wales and always winning. And that was where I... And were you breeding the cattle? Like, were you buying, like, steers or what were you doing... What we bred a couple of steers, but then we found out it was easy to buy what we were looking for. Mm -hmm. And the first year we went and bought um, a steer was Waldo. Um, and he won lightweight champion steer at Sydney Royal Hoof and Hook. Yeah. And that was my big splash into the cattle. And from there, I bought multiple cattle from a place in Townworth. And yeah. it went up. I won grand champion steer at Brisbane Royal. He sold to Brecky Creek for $42 a kilo. Yeah, um, every year we had a broad ribbon or a reserve ribbon and yeah. multiple placings and then I got into the stud cattle and then Zola won Grand Champion Limo Cow and 
yeah, it was massive. So I don't know, I'm not like into the cow showing side of things, but I, from my understanding, like Sydney Royal was a big show. Like even even from the horse side of things, it's probably the biggest it, ag show still in the country. Is. So for, the, for you to go and win those top prizes. Uh, it's massive. To go compete against those guys in the cattle industry mm. is amazing. Like there's people that have been doing it for hundreds of years in families and yeah. tradition and to come out and win it. And then to back it up and win carcass as well was incredible. So just run me through. You said the hoof, hoof, to hoof, hoof and hook, hoof and hook, right? So I I know what that means, but just explain that to our listeners if they're going. What do you mean when you say hoof and hook? So it is hoof is live. So they judged walking around. Healthy Being alive. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Happy and healthy. Yeah. Um, and then hook is the carcass. So pretty much it's judging our commercial beef operations today, yeah. but just at a higher level. Yeah. Yeah. So we still have to have fat and marble and Woolworths and Coles still buy those steers and butchers and mm. it's literally just the top end of and the do beef you, industry. Like I'm I'm like a total wuss. Like I would have if I was prepping something for something like that and then be like, okay, see you, go, I'll see you in um, Tarkas in a couple of hours. Like I personally would probably be like, no, all the cows can come live in my house. But was that just something that was just part of the process? It was really... part of the process. We had those steers for 90 days and we looked after them like better than we looked after ourselves most yeah. of the time. But we had the concept that you'd raise them and that was their job. That mm. was, and we never saw them. There'll be photos of carcasses, but, there's nothing to it once yeah. they're gone. So it's not like you're looking at it going, oh, yeah, that was my lovely pet. <laughs> but some thing. of them, like yeah. the steer I won Brisbane with Grizzles, I was like, bye. <laughs> Never want to see you again? <laughs> yeah, or? literally. Yeah, yeah, it was like, everyone's like, you just won with him. I was like, he made that day so hard. He put sawdust over everyone. Oh, he no. ate his ribbon. And oh. Yes, glad to see him yeah, go. Yeah, you can go, Grizzles. Yeah. What about, <laughs> did you have any, you've still got one, you got cows here that you show yeah i've still got my four stud cows so i still have zola which was the cow that i won brisbane with so um, she was obviously not a <laughs> no, no she was a breed cow she's a yeah. limousine cow so yeah she's here with the calf that she won brisbane with and that's pretty cool that you still got them i love my show cows yeah <laughs> I, I, it taught me so much about life it taught me about how to present yourself how to present your stock how to look after your stock because yeah. You had to look after them. Like, they can't tell you if they're hurt or uncomfortable. You just yeah. had to be so full on attention to de detail with them. And then you made lifelong friends out of and yeah. connections in the industry. Um, it taught me basically how to deal with the horse industry. <laughs> but at, yeah. like, an easier level yeah. in some ways. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And is that something that you ever could see yourself getting back into, like, a cattle operation or is that... Yeah, so, yeah. I, I still have like I flushed your home for my cows and that, and I still have all my embryos and semen sitting in my tank. And yeah, one day I'll go back to it, but yeah, horses kind of got me hooked. Yeah. <laughs> so you went to ag college? Oh, sorry, not ag college. You went to boarding school, yeah. and then out of school, did you go to college or uni or anything after that? Was I a plan did for uni. That? I did bachelor of digital media. Don't know why, but I did oh, that. You did something. I did something. Appease your parents. Um, yeah, basically. Yeah. Um, but then when we, I moved, we moved down to Victoria just at when I finished school. Yeah. Um, and then I kind of looked around and went, "What do I do?" And I was writing checks yoke when I was eighteen, which was when I finished school. And I looked around and went, "Oh, we've got horses here. Might as well ride them." Like, yeah. And was it just like a, I'll just do it because they're there? Yeah, or was it was it? basically, we've got horses sitting there, might as well just ride them and yeah. 
try and do something with them. And Did your mum and dad, like you've got parents that were very heavily involved in the horse industry, would, did they ever put pressure on you that you needed to get out there and do it or they just let you kind of find your way? Or um, They were very good at letting me find my way, but they weren't like just go do you and be a big green rider. Like, and dad and mum would never let me enter a green rider class ever. They're like, no, tough, tough. <laughs> we have standards and you're not that low. Like, oh. so I was that's like, nothing against green riders. Everyone's got to start somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, they were like, you're not, we're not going to let you be green. Yeah. You, you've got to, if you're going to go out and show you, you gonna, yeah. yeah. And it wasn't fair for me either. I went out and checked the oak and she'd won a fair share of stuff. Yeah. And dad won a Quitana on her. And yeah, you weren't going out on a green rider horse. Yeah, I wasn't going out on a green rider horse. I was going out on an open open on Pro Mare. Mm-hmm. So she taught me a hell of a lot. And but you, you won a saddle on her that first yeah. show year showing. Yep, but yeah. saddle series on her. Yeah. Yep. And it, did, am I, maybe I'm mistaken, did you win the non-pro and your dad won the open? I won the non-pro. I think dad was second in the open yeah. on the same show. Yeah. She was a great mare. Yeah. yeah. That was really cool. Yeah. And that, did she, you know, what was it about that horse that sparked your interest to actually kind of pursue it further? Um, just her ability. Like, you can always get a horse to do something. It's just how far you can push them to get mm. them to do it. And she had a massive turnaround. Mm. Like... I remember, I don't even know how many plus one turns I got on that mare, but she could just do a turn in three steps. Yeah. And it was power and it was unreal and she could stop and... I guess if you learn on horses like that, there's probably that like... You, you know, get hooked. Well, yeah, you start out on a horse that's a bit of a dough banger that doesn't have any talent and bounces you through the ground, you probably, it's less enticing to pursue but it But we further. still had, like, we still had those horses where they weren't trained to be reiners, but I still kind of found a way to make them into a reiner. Yeah. And like... They were good horses in their own right. Yeah. They still had a place in our industry. Yeah. It's just me being me, I didn't do show cattle just to be... Just average, you didn't want to... Yeah. Like, there, present. I did it to be massive, like... You want to be the best. Yeah. And that's the same with the rainers. Like, I'm not doing it to be... Like, I do it to have fun, and I go trail riding, and Mm. enjoy doing different things, like I said with my cow horse mare, but... I still want those rainers to come out and do a plus one turn and go, was it good enough? Like, Yeah, yeah. You want if you're going to do it, you want to go all the yeah. way. So um, how did you, like obviously if you didn't really start riding, you obviously always rode. Like I can imagine it, whether you were riding full time or not, but you were, you were probably a capable enough rider, you were riding the cutters. But when you stepped onto Chexy Oak and then you started training your own horses, how did you sort of make that transition? Like, because like you think about it, if you only really sort of got into it when you were eighteen and you're twenty six now, in the scheme of things, you haven't been doing it a long time. So you're still um, developing your craft. But you know, you've had some really really cool horses that you've produced yourself, and and ones that you've you've got as sort of younger horses and, and produced on further. So who um, I know we sort of spoke about your dad. You know, he was a, a really um, phenomenal trainer, and he when he was doing the reigning horses and. You know, was he sort of the main influence when you started and your mum helped you a lot? Was there other trainers in Australia that you feel, you know, kind of guided you along the way? I've had trouble trying to answer this question because I knew you would ask it. <laughs> um, and there doesn't have to be anyone either. Do you know what I mean? Like, see, that I, some people, I, I feel like you just pick stuff up because it's just who you are. I pick stuff up because I watch. Mm. But mum was mum is instrument, like mm. instrumental to my training program. She's always there. She tells me what's good, but she also lets me figure things out. Yeah. Um, 
mum came from a pleasure horse background so nancy cahill has had massive even though i never rode with her or never watched anything just coming through mum was like mm. oh that's something nancy does mm. like, oh, okay yeah but i went when i first went to the states and rode a couple i rode one of rubens ben dorps bam bam and i fell in love with that horse and then since then i'm like okay this is this this is kind of what i want this yeah. is where I want to go yeah. but I wouldn't say anyone in Australia has been instrumental which isn't a problem I think it's led me to find my way yeah and find how to figure things out yeah yeah and it, it's you know I think here in Australia we are you know we've got some great trainers here but oh for sure we've also there's sort of you know where we are here like there's not 10 trainers in, in a two-hour radius that you can mm. go and sort of take your pick of who you want to train yeah. with or if someone doesn't suit you to go to someone else. We are sort of a little bit limited. So I think, you know, and most trainers would probably say the same thing, that they're, you know, you've taken a little bit from lots of people over the years and sort of developed it into your own yeah. own thing, which is really cool. And it's, like I said, in the scheme of things for how long you've been doing it, to have gone to the level that you've gone to is pretty admirable because, not you know, there's people that I've seen that have been doing it for three times as long as us and you still wonder wh where they're going with it. But, you know, everyone's on their own journey, I guess. And, um, you know, it's good, though, that you've had that sort of backing, especially from your mum, to, to support you, to, you know, guide you and, like you said, let you kind of find your own mm -hmm. way in the same same path. But it's funny you mentioned Nancy Cahill because someone that keeps reoccurring um, in conversations with other people that I know about her lead change program mm. and just her um she was just this phenomenal mm. western horse trainer and um apparently there's some very excellent videos that she's done over the years that are well worth watching which i'd like to get my hands on if we could nathan piper was trained by nancy there you go and it's interesting that listening i'm a mad podcast listener too and i've been listening to the um uh cowhorse full contact and clinton anderson and some are listening to boba villa podcast really really interesting to to listen to him with and then to todd bergen and mm -hmm. they have such a heavy influenced training style from the pleasure background mm -hmm. and you can just you know i think though having that style of training under your belt it just when push comes to shove like the lead change to turn around the right in a circle it like, all comes together eventually yeah and, and it you, all combines and you can see those riders that maybe haven't had any of that kind of there and you're like there's just a element of finesse kind of missing sometimes or it's just yeah i think it does make a really you know really solid horse trainer to have that bit of a diverse background i couldn't agree more did you ever do any other showing other than raining no just cutters and raining. Just cutters and is no pleasure no pleasure you've got the you've got the get up to be a pleasure rider i know i have <laughs> the jackets <laughs> i don't know i i always said to mum if we it was either um we were always looking for like another kind of something different yeah and it was either going to be go buy a pleasure horse or go cow horse mm. and look at you yeah. raining <laughs> so let's just roll back a little bit so you've gone you've had Chexio. was the next horse that was on your radar was that when you got to sniper or was it there another one between was mm. the who was the first one that you actually put through and did yourself um saturday night special uh-huh Yes. So he was a cutting bread horse. Yeah. And he was sitting here and I was like, can't sit there and do nothing. So that was it. He was just here. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, you did really well with him and then he went on to have, uh, you know, a lot of success with another non-pro rider. Yep. And then 
Where did we go from there? Sniper. Righto. So we want to talk about Sniper. So he was a really influential horse for you. He was probably, I would say he was my big bang. Yeah. He was the one, so I bought him off um, Angel Marsh from mm-hmm. John Wicks. And he was literally probably the one that went, okay, you can you can do some stuff with some horses. You can train a horse. So his turn was massive. Mm-hmm. To this day, his turn is massive. Um, what was it about that horse, though, that made you... Because he had a little bit of training before you got He did him. have training. He was a futurity horse with John. Yeah. Um, just his ability. Mm-hmm. There was He was a very easygoing horse. He was a stud colt, very quiet. Um, he was just good-natured. Like, he'd accept anything you kind of taught him and tried. And yeah. It was just his trainability. Like, so you just saw a horse that you felt you could, yeah. you know, advance with. and Yeah. And he... Because he's... By the big gun. Yep. Yep. And so, I to me looking at it, I didn't. And again, this is my not. I'm not into the breeding side of things. He, I'm not familiar with the big gun. I didn't feel like his breeding was like that modern reigning style. But you still went out and and he was, just, you know, just as competitive as everyone else. So, yeah. did you look at him as a stud prospect, or did you just look no. at him as a horse? I just looked at him as a horse. Yeah. Um, we were gonna cut him, but he was just quiet like he'd travel next to mares he'd stable him next to mares mum showed him yeah everyone you could do anything on that horse and he was drop dead quiet i believe now he's a gelding but he's a rooftop horse he well that's it now he's doing the rooftop express i I watched him you know um yeah at a few of the rooftop shows and just goes out there and just does his job yeah he loves it he sings has the national anthem sung on him at sydney royals with flags and yeah. the fireworks shop brisbane and yeah, that's that that's cool. when i sold him to dave and jane i was so proud to have a horse that was a reigning horse but then could go out and be this totally diverse quiet an all-rounder be an all-rounder and he got any i think he gives credit to raiders because we can go look they can do anything mm. they're oh, quiet 100%. and and, They're used to it. And that horse, you know, you had a lot of success with him, but was winning the ARBC non-profit, it was Derby, yeah. was that the highlight that of That was career? the highlight. That yeah. one and winning the Open Derby at New South Wales State Show. Yeah. And they're big, they're big wins. They're and massive wins. I think people forget sometimes when we, because when you come out, like, you like fierce, there's diamonds and glitter and shit going everywhere and your horses look a million bucks, but like to look at you, it's like, oh, she's been doing this for 150 years and could kill me with one look like that's you just got this intensity when you go out there but when we if you wrote it down on paper and was like well you started raining in 2016 so that really wasn't that long ago to go out and run a horse and win and you know a futurity or a derby at any major show that that's like you know people work their whole lifetime mm. to do that and you did that you know within the first few years of your reigning yeah. career so do you like? Did you feel like when you had that success with him, did it make you, you know, hungry to sort of go? Oh, I want to get another one and do it again. Or did you, you know, how did that, you know, transpire after that? Yeah, I think it did make me a bit more hungry for the sport, um, but it made me realise I still had to keep training. Yeah. I still had to figure out the holes in him and how to keep him going and to look ahead a bit more because we had like, um, I think we had. VR and I had something happen at VR, I can't remember what, and then I didn't even enter for ARBC. Yeah. And then we late entered for ARBC. Yeah. And that's the year I went on Sniper. But I figured out I need to train my horses in general, not just for a show. Yeah. And just get all my ducks in a row and work on my showing a bit more. Yeah. 
Um, and that's like, I think you, um, like you said, sometimes we put so much pressure on ourselves to for a specific show that it gets a little bit overwhelming or we get, we, we do things, you know, that maybe aren't conducive to a positive outcome. Yeah. And, but it's sometimes going through that process of doing that, the wheels fall off, we come back, regroup and then go, okay, shit, I need to, to, to yeah. do something different. And then that's how you sort of progress and advance. So, yeah. um, what other major, did he have any other major wins with you? Or are they the sort of big ones that, Oh, from memory? AIBC, he won the Open Derby. He won a lot. Yeah. He did win a lot for me. I think he had like 30, 35 in earnings when yeah. I sold him. That's pretty... That was pretty <laughs> So that money you out of everything like pretty oh, quick. By the time I got off Chexyoke, I was out of everything. And that's another big thing why I had to step up is because I won the Saddle Series and the Opens and the Non-Pros on Chexyoke. Mm. I was out. I never showed rookies. I never showed youth. I never showed green rider. Yeah. They only, like, I think I was limited for, like, one year. Yeah. And I was, like, out. See you, bye. And yeah. even this year. I, this year, I think, it's a blessing. I'm level 432 in RA and only yeah. level 4 in NRHA. Mm. And I'm like, hmm. Got a few more classes that you I'm can... I'm so glad I'm back level 2. <laughs> well, it's good that they do do that, though, with the eligibilities where they... Um, well, I know, you know, RA, we've got the Rain Australia and the yeah. NRHA, but I know... You know, in your age event earnings, it, it does sort of go on the year. Yeah. So, you know, you have the ability to go back down. Yeah, and I think it's a great thing. It gives people this opportunity to go up and down. So if you haven't ridden an aged event horse in a while, you mm. can slip back down and yeah. you had a bad year, which happens yeah. to everyone. You can slip back down or you have a good year and you back up. It just yeah. gives a bit of a playing field. Yeah. So we've had Sniper and we know Sniper went off to be part of the Rooftop Express. The next horse that I um, really, when I think of you, is Wonder Woman. Mm-hmm. Um, I think everyone's, and I'll post this photo, they're, like it's the photo. You know, the yeah. photo of you at Werribee, RIP Werribee. If anyone's listening, please put the sand surface back in. Um, Love that surface. Oh, That's the reader. I oh, know. Um, and a shout out to Stephen Mowbray for that photo. And, and oh, the master. Oh, like, he's unreal. Just, just an absolute unreal photo. But looking around at your wall, it's not like it's the only cool photo. But <laughs> just, um, you know, that mare, was that was that a Futurity class or was that a Derby class? That, that was a Futurity class. Yeah, so that's pretty phenomenal mm. for a Futurity horse to stop like that. And there's no denying, like, she was a massive stopper. She could do everything, that mare. Mm. But she's so alternative. <laughs> Did you say she's alternative? Yeah. Okay. She is. Like you saw her in the paddock yeah, with her pole this morning. Here she, and she's doing her she thing. She does her own thing. Mm. Um, that man was massive. Mm. And if I, I wish she would be the one horse I'd go redo. Right. She and, she I I have her in my brew band band and I believe she's gonna be an unreal broodmare. I think she's gonna throw what I need. It's funny when you have a horse, right? Like you just said, you wish you could go and redo it. And I think I've got a horse in mind, like of mine, that I wish I'm like, I wish I could go back with the knowledge that I have now and have that horse now. Mm-hmm. And is that what you kind of mean? Do you feel like yeah. you now? And and it's, like I said, like you started raining like, oh, we both started raining the same. Yeah, like we fried horses and whatever. But it's like in the scheme of things, it ended a real long time. Mm-hmm. And you're gonna, I don't want to say stuff up, but like you're gonna do shit that you look back at and go. Uh, I did that the hard way. Yeah, I did that the hard way. Or maybe my knowledge wasn't where it was at to get the best out of that horse at that time. And But having the ability to look at that and be aware of it, I think is 
such a sign of, of maturity. And like, I trust me, because I've had a few moments where I'm like, I know what I'm doing. And I look back, I'm like, you didn't know shit. Yeah. You know, you thought you knew shit and you can kind of fluff your way through it, but yeah. you didn't. And that's, you know, I just find it, you know, I, I think for how good you still got that horse going, but to still look back and go, I wish I could have done it mm-hmm. better. Um, but that horse probably taught you so much that you can then take on to the next she horse. She taught me so much. Mm. Every horse... Every horse has taught me something. Mm. And it's make, something I always make sure I get out of how that horse taught me and what I could get out of it yeah. and how I influenced them. Um, like I had Wonder Woman's full brother, Flash. Mm-hmm. He taught me a lot as well. There's a heap of horses that I'd say taught me something different. But now she, she was the big one. She was the big one. She could stop. She taught me how to go stop. Yeah. Like, and she'd stop massive. Oh, yeah. She was, she was big. She was, big. she was big. But though that line of horses, though, you had... Because you told me a little bit of a story about where those horses came from mm-hmm. once that they were, you know... Um, they're obviously well-bred, but they were kind of, you know, a breeding program that you guys kind of got them out of the paddock, is that? Yeah. Yeah, so just do you want to run over that one a little bit? Yeah. Um, so Flash came out the back in a drought year. Yeah. Um, he was a two-year-old stud colt running with his mum and all the other mares and yeah hadn't had much handling and but we got flash and flash was good too in his own rights like i loved that horse but he was before wonder woman he was so before you think, wonder woman but they're full brothers learned, yeah but you thought you got him and yeah. then moved to wonder then woman, I got wonder mean, woman. Like it's all that stepping yeah stepping stone and then that. wonder woman was a couple of, like i think two years later than flash yeah um so we picked her up um she was meant to be dad's and I got her. And then... How um, sad. <laughs> I know. And then... Um, yeah. There but there's, one. there's so many of those bred horses. Um, Are they... Jane, um, Jane's got one. Yep, Jane's got one. There's and one I believe Breakaday's got one. Yep, full. And full. Oakley. Yep, and, full. Then, and that's a really talented horse too. Isn't it? Like and, a really cool And horse. that's why I believe in that mare is a brood mare. Like mm. that family line. Like there's like five full brothers and sisters out there. And all talented. Yeah. We're all doing the things. And they are by... Estelle Westra Melody. Okay, I was nearly was on the tip of my tongue. <laughs> yeah. So Esther, and what's the mare? And they're all at the same mare. Sunny Shine at all. And what's she? Just Somewhere back there. Somewhere. Freckles Oak. Yep. Something. So she's something a bit old yeah, school. she's yep. old school bird. Yeah. No. And so Estelle Westra Melody, is he a... Is he at the stud, like where you bred, bought those horses from? Yes. They own him. Yep. And what did he do? Like, what was his background? He was with. I'm going to get this really wrong. Martin Larkin was second on him at the Futurity. I. Yeah, I actually think you might yeah, be right there. I think I'm yeah. good there. So he was a rainer though. Yep, Mum just said that exactly what <laughs> I just said. She's on me. No one's eavesdropping here. <laughs> um. So yeah. So he was. A grey horse in his own right as yeah, well. Yeah, and that's really cool, you know, that you had the opportunity to, um, yeah, to get all those horses and showcase yeah. them because, like you said, they've it is obviously proven, you know, talent in, in that line there because there's been so many of them that mm. come out and done something. But, but yeah, so, yeah, that mare's sitting in my paddock and she's had two foals and... Any... How old is she now? She'd be seven. So, yeah. so no aspirations to ride her again? She's going to let the brood mare or come back to it? You have to wait and see. Oh, there might be something in the woodwork. Depends if she goes in full. Yeah, yeah. No, but that's really cool. You know, and sometimes I think, you know, stepping away, letting a horse go and do that, and like you said, your knowledge and, and training techniques might have changed. Going back to that horse with a different 
outlook. Oh. It's a seven-year-old. She's still a young horse. She's still young and she, as I said, she's alternative. <laughs> so her having a foal, I think she's really enjoyed it. I yeah. think she's just enjoyed being a horse again yeah. and running out with all the other mares and foals and... And they're all, they all look so happy out there. We just went out and saw them and they're all fat and shiny and the foals are living their best life. Yeah. So it's, and it's probably a nice mental break for them to mm. go from that. I hopped there. on it the other day. I got off the truck from the vets and hopped on it there back and jogged it down the paddock. <laughs> Mum's like, what are you doing? And I'm like, just enjoying your horse. Just enjoying my horse. That's exactly like, it. That's, that's what it. they're for. So you, talking about your breeding program, you guys have really, you know, got some amazing things on the ground here. Like there's not... <laughs> You know, in Victoria at least, like we're probably in the the reigning capital of Victoria, mm-hmm. where we are here in the Golden Valley area. You guys have got a really strong mare program, and I know you're really proud of your breeding program. Mm-hmm. You're very passionate about it. There's some, you know, a lot of thought goes into what you breed, um, and you know the the stallions that you guys support. You and your mum run cowgirl performance horses, so you um, are agents for some American sires. Yep. Tell me a little bit about how, you know, how you got to have this band of mares that you've got because you've got some imported mares, you've got some really unreal cow horses, like you, you know, some pretty special stuff out there. Run me through that. I think going to the States when I was a kid, I got ingrained that you need mare power. Mm. Like it, it comes from a mare and it stayed with me until today um, you look back at any good horse in the States and they're out of an unreal mare. And you see those stations, you see Tamarack and Tyon and Rafter Bell and all those ranches, and they've got incredible broodmares. Mm. And I went, that's something I want. You can't go buy, at the stage where I started, you couldn't go buy a reigning bred horse mm. for sale. <clears throat> there wasn't enough of them around. So I went, no. So I just started doing the breeding. My first mare I bought was Skeet's Remedy. Mm-hmm. Producer of over a hundred thousand, the Dammit Gunner Reload, Futurity yeah. Derby, Equitana Champion. Um, and I went, that's that that's where I want to be. I want to be riding these great horses. And the only way I could see doing it was breeding them. Yeah. And I'm still to today, my moral is I want to breed what I want to ride. Yeah. And it doesn't matter if it's well walla walla whiz or <laughs> my space got a whiz. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> um it's anything, and I like. I truly believe in these mares I have here. Mm. I will stand up any day and say, I reckon, as I said with one of them, I reckon she's going to be a producer. Mm. I say the same about my Einstein mare or even my Hollywood custom mare, yeah. the one with Futurity on. I'd say the same about her. Yeah, but, you know, and a lot of those mares, you, 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 yeah, you, you've kept on um, on the roster here yeah. in the broodmare program, but I think that's really you know, you know yourself those mares, you've ridden them, you know what their temperament's like, you know what their trainability is like. You wouldn't be sort of keeping them if you went like this thing really isn't hasn't got the mindset to be a top end performance horse. What you know, what sort of horses are you breeding them to? Like what why and why are certain crosses better? Like what I don't you know, personally I'm not that knowledgeable on breeding. So I look at it and I'm like, oh that's beautiful horse it won all these things but i don't look on paper and go well you know these things are really hot and these things are really cold so they'll come together or in the past like how do you you know sort of match up mare to stallion as to what you're breeding me and mum are massive on it so mm. no i've gathered <laughs> normally there's like books and papers everywhere of like 
Yeah. The number one crosses for the last three years in raining cow horse cutting. And so you're not just like winging it. You're not looking online no. and being like, wow, someone put a cool no. reel up. I'll the, breed that. I always say one every year I have a love breed. Mm. And it was my spook's got a whiz cult. Mm-hmm. Well, spook's got a whiz at the time. He was my love breed. Um, when you say love breed, just because you just love that horse? Yeah, exactly. I, I'm dying for one. Yeah. And the same with my Iceman. I really wanted an Iceman. Mm-hmm. And same with my Walla Walla. Really wanted a Walla Walla. So Walla Walla Whiz is, that's the first one? There's one other in the country. Okay, yeah. And so that's pretty unreal that you guys have been able to get one. I was blessed the day I met with Mr. Arcasey and Casey Deary to get that semen. I was blessed. Yes. But I bought a gun, an imported Gunnamare, and she's the only imported Gunnamare in the country. And I look, what, what's the number one cross of Gunner? Walla Walla Whiz. So is that an... We don't have to talk about this if you don't want to. But so that getting that Walla Walla with semen, was that something that you had to... Because I, as far as I'm aware, no one represents him in no the country. No one represents him in So how did you go about that? And this is really cool because... Yeah, but if you want something so bad, which you clearly did, and this is what I give it to you, like you're freaking tenacious in a way that like you obviously found a way to make it happen. Um, I used my contacts very well or I was very... I know you say you were blessed, but... I was blessed. No, I was truly... No, but I truly was blessed to have Casey Deary introduce me to Mr. Arcasey and take the time away at the futurity to make that happen for me. Yeah. I was truly blessed. And it all happened just because of that one meeting. Yeah. And, like, to get that here, I spent hours and hope and dreams and money, and it worked. Yeah. But it's one of those things... I really wanted it. Yeah. So you did whatever so it took. So I did whatever it took. Yeah. And I'm so grateful we've got an embryo yeah. in the mare. That's unreal. And that, but I just think like that is so, like I said, when I look at you and you're just like this fierce competitor, but you're obviously just as fierce about if you want something, you've got to do what it takes to get it. And you've, you know, like some people go after money or something else and like you just, you knew that this was a cross that you wanted yeah. and, you, and you made it happen and I think that's like, you know, like kudos to you, mate, because it's... um It's with all the breeding, so like all the mares that we've got here, like I think there's five imported mares here. Yeah. Could be wrong. Yeah. Sorry if I am in your mares. <laughs> um, but I try to do the best for my mares and know the best crosses for them. Yeah. And sometimes I might not get it 100% right, but they're still good. Mm. But my main thing about breeding these horses is something I want to ride, mum can handle, they're quiet, and they're, they're going to be acceptive to what's around them yeah. and who's around them. Yeah. Like, it's no good breeding these level four futurity horses when we've only got 15, 20 level four futurity riders. But, that, but that's the reality of it here in Australia. Like, yeah, and I think. But then we still need those level four futurity horses because. We still have a level four futurity, I yeah, guess. Yeah, exactly. And we still have those riders that are going to come out. Like, yeah. And, I, and we've got some really cool up and coming riders. Like, I think if you oh, look at the youth pen at the moment, like. The youth pen is going to be crazy in another couple of years. They're yeah. going to be up there with us. Well, they're already up there with us. Yeah. It's, there's already youth kids in the level four finals, and you're level yeah, four. You're like, get out. And you're like, <laughs> get um, out of you. <laughs> what's going on? <laughs> yeah. But like, but that that's really cool for the for the industry. And we were talking a little bit about, before um, about raining, you know, modernising, and and I was talking to you about your style of raining, and you said, you know, and you know, I guess probably anyone that's probably come into it in the last let's call it ten years, you know, it's probably changed from. 
20 or 30 years ago mm-hmm. when it started, like anything in the world. So it's really neat to see the younger generation coming through with some really dynamic, you know, horse and rider combinations. Oh, and, uh, and I think we have that, like this whole global reigning in general, like the run for a million and mm. Yellowstone and people got to see these good riders like Andrea. Like we got to idolise Andrea and how he can get a horse to turn. Like, mm. And then you flash back and you can see like Trevor Dare, Jersey's baby driver, stopping. Mm. There's such modernised horses these days mm. and we see it a lot more because of the internet that Social we normally media did. changes everything. We can even it? go see two-year-olds. You want to go see a freak of a two-year-old, just jump on the internet and you'll see a freak Google of a two-year-old. It. And is that the sort of horse that you're trying to breed here in your program? Like you're looking at those more, you know, modern reigning stallions. You sort of, you know, is that kind of what you want to produce? Or I love the modern reigning horses, but I also love the ability and the trainability of some of them. And you can't go past these sires that have produced a hundred, like a million dollars worth of progeny. Yeah, yeah. Like you can't argue going to Special Night or yeah. Jojo or anyone that's produced because their numbers speak. Mm. And then you've also got to look at their dams. Yeah. Definitely. And where they're producing and crossing. and. Do you a little bit, so I know, you know, talking with a few people, um, it's almost like ratings become so specialised that the horses, and I, we see this in the cutting industry as well, that they become so specialised, so physical, that they almost lose a little bit of um, their ability to be a horse per se in, in, in respect to like their quality of their feet, their joints, you know, all of these things. Do you think that there's still a place for a little bit of that old school you know, traditional cow horse style broodmare to put over a modern reigning stone to create like, you know, a sort of a good balance? Without a doubt, most of these mares that we've got here and even you look at the mares back in America that are producing, they're old bred. Yeah. And there's st- like everyone over there is chasing these older bred horses because mm. they're crossing under these modern sites. Yeah. And, and it's that nice balance. It's that balance. We still need good bones and good feet and Yeah everything on these horses so having these older bred horses is helping us over here like i think people don't realize how we were a bit left behind in the genetics but now it's kind of a blessing because we've still got those hardy mares yeah we still have those good hardy mares like yeah we still have the windredy mares kicking around and progeny from them like we just said about pixie yeah like we still a little star yeah yeah we still have her like yeah progeny of her and we're lucky we can go breed it to pretty much anywhere we want now yeah and you know it's going to be a, a, yeah. a decent cross yeah now that's really cool and it, like it's i think breeding is one of those things that you're either you know i i i gain more interest in it the more i learn about it it's really one of those things that i'm probably never invested a lot of time in getting knowledgeable about and mm. i but the more i learn the more i really like it and and want to know more so i appreciate you you know sharing even just going out there in the paddock with all those horses like you know you know this is this man this is this man and so you you know you've created this really cool boob boob, not a boob man a brood mare brand band (laughs) i've had half a margarita listen to me go and talking about like you know you as a putting this this plan together and i'm sure you know we're leaving your mum out of this but we'll just you know we know your mum's probably probably financed the whole thing but anyway You've got imported mares, and what I said before about you being tenacious and you going after shit, 
you've got imported mares, you've imported one yourself. But the fact that you've tracked down four other imported mares Mm -hmm. to put in your program, like you haven't just gone and found doe bangers. Like, so those mares that you've got, they're obviously all very special. Do you want to just tell me about each of them and how they ended up in your life? (sighs) So I got Skeets Remedy um, from Scott Glover. Yeah, who and Scott? I think I should really. Scott's probably got his own podcast on the oh, thing because he's just been massively influential. Scott has been influential in the yeah. reading in Australia. Like, yeah. cannot deny it. He's no. done great things for this sport. Um, so I got skeets off Scott Glover. So I've only had skeets three years now, two yep. years now. Um, but that was an opportunity. That was imagine? a massive opportunity. When she came up, I was like, no. Nah. Someone told me once to go buy a broodmare with progeny and. Yeah. That has a record, that's my mare to go do. Yeah. So I bought Skeeters. Um, she's now involved a PS Mega Shine chick. That'd be pretty cool. Mm-hmm. Um, and she's carrying the foal herself. She's carrying the foal herself. Yeah. Skeets is like a warrior. <laughs> she looks a bit like a warrior woman <laughs> out there, like an she Amazonian. She's <laughs> big stout thing, isn't she? Yeah, that's Skeets. Um, then I bought my Einstein mare off Donna Sadler. Mm-hmm. And she produced a couple... I've had her for the same amount of time as Skeets. I have a Spook's got a Wiz Colt out of him, out of her. So the Einstein mare was imported? No, she's from an imported mare. She's out of an imported yeah. mare, yeah. yeah. Um, then I bought my imported gunner mare that Donna imported into the country as well. Yeah. Um, so she's the only imported gunner mare in the country. So going to check it? Yep, going to yep. check it. And had she shown in the States? She, she did show in the States. Yep. Taylor had her in the States and then Donna brought her out and yep. she was injured. Um, I've only had her for a year and a bit. Yeah. So I've got two Iceman fillies out of her. Yeah. Um, and she's promising. She's a gorgeous mare. She's a gorgeous natured mare. Yeah. And then we have... So she's by Gunner out of a... a new checks to cash mare. Okay, yeah. Yeah. So, and her dam is a full sister to your horse that's won 100,000 in Europe. So, you know, there's... Like I said, the numbers speak. Yeah, numbers it's, speak. It's not like you're, you're buying things that yeah. haven't got some sort of proven record. Yeah. So you've got a lot of rainers, but let's just roll around the cow horses. The cow horses and the cutters. You've got a bit on at the moment. I have a massive load on at the moment. So we also have the cutters. We have an imported hardest little pet mare, Pepto Tasmare, mm-hmm. that we bought from Morning Sun. Um, Betty, she's had a top sale at the NCHA for true sale with Rob Leach. Mm. Her daughters are going on. She's been a great mare for us and she's still going. We're still pulling foals out of her every year and yep. she's showing great promise in the cow horse yep. area as well as the cutting. And then we have an imported grey starlight mare. Yeah. We had Barbie when we worked up at Walka and then they sold her and we only got her back about a year ago. Who's Barbie? Starlight Barbie, imported yep. mare. So she's produced over 100,000 as well in the cutting pen. Pretty impressive in Australia. Like that, I think that's some of these massive in numbers, Australia. it's you know you think of um, you know, and you'll probably know this better than I will because I actually have no idea. Like highest producing money earner in Australia, like Wiz Destiny. Wiz Destiny, right? And how much would Wiz Destiny have won? Wiz Destiny is just down the road. By the she way, is just down the road. down the road. She's yeah. just down the road. She'll be out tomorrow. Yeah. Um, like, wouldn't it be over hundred? I don't grand? think it's over a hundred thousand. Would might no. be like. Fifty grand. Let's let's 60. be let's just as a complete yeah. rough thing. We'll but say, that was back RA. I know, but in the scheme of things, it you know you think in Australia, like to earn hundred grand, even the cutting oh, pet is massive. It's massive achievement for yeah. these mares. Yeah, so that's pretty. Especially impressive. back when these mares, like we're not talking like the six, seven year old mares. We're talking like 24, 25 year old mares. So they're back when 
Uh, embryos weren't really a thing. Yeah, they had to carry. Yeah. yeah. So it's a massive thing for these mares to produce that. Yeah. And so you, we were chatting a little bit before, like you've obviously been very competitive in the reining and yeah. there's a couple other things on the horizon for you at yes, the moment. Yes, there is. So I have a cow horse maturity mare as well. Watch out. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> no, I'm sure they'll see you riding in and be like, oh. It's just something different. It's going back to some cows and... Um, yeah. Reminding me of timing a bit more and relating things and just something totally left to center for me. But she's an incredible mare. I love that little mare. Yeah. Do you find with the cows, and probably the thing I struggled with because I've dabbled very loosely in a little bit of cows and I love it, but coming from, um, I guess, reining, you know, a reining horse is so dictated to we want them to mm-hmm. wait on us every second. Like the whole idea is like, sounds bad, don't think for yourself. Like, yeah. kind of do, but don't. Wait for me to tell you. Whereas yeah. going onto those cow horses, they the idea is, like, think for yourself. You need yeah. to be, you know, they're with you, but it's you need to think and act. And and it's, it's I just think it's the, it's the, well, my partner says it, it's the most fun you can have with your clothes on, <laughs> running a cow horse down the fence. And I, it is. It's so much fun. But having ridden reiners, I myself have struggled with that, let go. Let go. And you, you know, you've had that cutting background, but how do you go going? Cause you were cutting and now you've full blown raining. How have you gone having that training, you know, on, on the cow horse stuff? Do you, have you found that at all? Or am I just like, you know, I've got a control problem. No, I get it. Like I do get it. I have a problem with running down the fence and Aaron Scobie, God bless your heart for helping me. He's he like, is a fantastic horse trainer. If is, anyone needs help with their cow horse, is. shout out Aaron. Um, he's amazing, but he's like, you're right. You're good. She's she's trained, but she's good though. She's got my back. Like if I'm like, oh, Susie, you'd be like, no, I'm sticking back with you. Yeah. Like it's all right. But that's that difference in having that horse that you can actually feel think for themselves and yeah. being able to let them think for themselves. And again, this sounds really bad saying I don't want my horse to think for themselves. That's not at all what we mean. But as a rainer, you know, it's so go here now, go it's there so now. It's so direction. Yeah, and in the cow horse, you don't know. Like yes, the the run should look like this but you're dealing with another. There's three brains in the arena. Yeah. There's not just two. And that third one, you've got really no control of where it's yeah. going other than relying on the fact that your horse will get to that right yeah. spot. And, um, yeah, I just I think it would be really exciting to watch you take one down the fence because there's one thing you're not scared of doing. It's going fast and <laughs> it's a fast-paced activity. <laughs> I've gathered that. But, no, I think it's just something different for me. And shout-out to my mare. I bought her through the NCHA sale last year. Mm-hmm. She's a Hebrew holy time, which needs no introduction to cow horse. He's one of the world's greatest. So. Yeah. And who, where did he, she come from, this mare? She came from Steve Smith. Yeah. Cutting horses. So I bought her from that. And... Um, She's out of Winderdean Whiskey Cat, who's an NCHA Hall of Fame mayor. Yeah. And she's just coming. She's just, I don't even know how to explain that mayor. She is so full of life and she's so happy all the time and she just gives you so much fun riding her. Yeah. And um, so it's funny that you've gone into a little bit of cow horse. So, you know, we're kind of like fangirls. Oh, I'm a fangirl. So Andre Papani in America, he's, <laughs> yeah. he's delved into the cow horse pen and listening to him chat about his experience with the difference in training. And he kind of mentioned that, you know, the, the cow horses train, you know, your day-to-day training is very different with your, compared to your reins. He said, like, I can do something for like three days and then I've got to move on. I can't, mm-hmm. I can't work on my dry work, you know, day after day yeah. after day. Like they just don't, think like that and yeah. you you know your training style with this horse for a different discipline 
you know, has, do you think that you've things from that you'll take into your reiners as well? Like how, what have you learned from taking this horse on? Um, like de- definitely the same as Andrea, like I'll go stop her one day and then we're working the flag like mm. 20 minutes later, like it dabbles. And I remember watching Andrea train his cow horses at Tulsa, the hundred X. And I was like, this man is crazy. <laughs> like it's like 4am in the morning and he's working the flag and then it's at the clock- raining show. Yeah. And then it's six o'clock. He's the back on rainers. Probably like get out. <laughs> and we were like, maybe he was in that. the other pen, but yeah. we're still like, oh, that's too much energy for us. <laughs> but like. I definitely think so. It's taught me how to make them probably a bit more broker mm-hmm. and anywhere in any situation you need to be able to step in and step out. Yeah. And I think that's the same as like let's break down or turn around. You want to be able to pick them up, help them, put them down and they should keep turning. Yeah. It's the same with the cutter. You want to help them through that turn or a cow horse and, and pick them up and be out of them. Yeah. I think it's get in and get out. Yeah. And that's something maybe I know as I do as a rainer. I'm not very good at getting out i kind of like oh just keep hold of you yeah i think we've all got things like that that we yeah know we need to work on but so you've got the archa futurity coming up on this man and uh, a couple other events were maybe signed up for yeah i'm pretty sure we're gonna do the world's greatest World's greatest. You going yeah. to America? No, that's Australia's, Australia's greatest. greatest. <laughs> ARBC. Shout ARBC. Out <laughs> yes, we'll, we'll all be there at ARBC. But I think that maybe there's another event you should do. Maybe Australia's greatest horsewoman. So yeah. I, I'd be. I think you'd be. Yeah, a good yeah. contender for that. Um, and I'm, you know, part of the organising team for that <laughs> show. Like shout out Australia's greatest horsewoman. But we've got some really cool people coming down for that, especially if you Queenslanders coming down this year. But I think, yeah. you know, it's a really fun show. We hold it to cheer every year. It's in April this year, and I think it'd be very cool to yeah. see you there. Um, so you, we were chatting a little bit earlier, and I, you know, I asked you to come on this podcast because I've, you know, I've sort of watched your professional non-professional career whatever you want to call it over the years and and you know you watch the highs and the lows of someone and I I have a lot of admiration for what you do and every time you come out you know you're so well presented your horses always look immaculate you always go out there and, and kind of lay it on the line but something that's been a big topic in this podcast is you know how do you keep your you know your head in the game being at a certain level because you know I kind of have this motto that I, I feel sometimes like everyone wants you to do well sort of until you do better than them is, mm-hmm. is how I have you know felt myself sometimes and I'm saying like I'm not I haven't won any futurities or derbies like I haven't won anything major I've had some like you know ancillary class level wins nothing to, but that you know I may have surpassed some other people and I myself have felt it where it's like, oh, yeah, like clearly it's okay if we're all at the bottom of the barrel yeah. together. And it's not sort of awesome. You know, it's not an awesome feeling. But I myself have had to work through that. And I just feel like you've kind of had this rise to success so quickly. Like have you – is that something you've sort of had to deal with over the years in, you know, like the way that people and, – and especially being young, people don't like when, you know – someone else comes through and kind of you know has success or does something sometimes they do there's some amazing people but I just think you know is that something that you've had to deal with and you you know advice to like some younger people coming through how do you deal with that you know those tougher situations when you are showing and and keeping your mind on the game and not letting sort of things in the outer affect you 
Um, I think the best advice I can give for anyone, you need a really strong team. Yeah. You need a really good backbone team behind you. Shout out to my mom. She's my rock. She's everywhere. <laughs> she like, is my yeah. rock in that. But like, as you said before, I'm normally pretty straightforward. I normally wear headphones when I'm warming up. Mm. I don't like people around me. I don't like people fussing over my horses because the only people that got your best intentions is you and your support crew. Yeah. And it's, it's, it's a hard thing to comprehend and it's a hard thing to deal with, especially being young because you want all your friends and mm. you think everyone should support you and everything should be fair. And yeah. It's not like that. Yeah. And, and it's a hobby and it's meant to be fun and people enjoy it, but some people it's their livelihood mm-hmm. and sometimes it's the only thing they have and they take it really serious. And sometimes they just want to pull people down, but the only thing you can do is who do you train? Like, Who's the one on the horse? You. Who's nothing else is really going to matter. Mm-hmm. That as well, and I like like I said, I'm only I'm probably speaking more from my own personal experience with certain situations, um, but I know being a young woman in a uh, like shout out, there's heaps of wicked women in the deal, but it's a man like it's it a man's so industry. It's so dominated the equity industry. Oh, it's so much so. But I think like day to day, I'm not a very glitzy person. Like you've never seen me walking around, but like. <laughs> I put those show I don't know, jackets. It's pretty fancy when I see you. <laughs> but that, I put those show jackets on, and I'm like, you know what? Come at me. Like, yeah. What are you gonna do? But that's like, I feel like you're almost like this kind of like you're kind of like Clark Kent, Superman. <laughs> like you've got, you know, you when you come out in your gear, and we just went into your office before, and I'm like, this is like a dance studio. Like there's, <laughs> but that's like your, it's like your armor. Like, like yeah. to me, that's what I said. That's like your armor. You put when you put on those jackets, and. Mate, I would not have the confidence to wear that, but, like, you are always so well put together. But that in itself is, like, it's your armour. You go out there and you're like, man, I'm not putting this jacket on to come out and go last. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? Like, I'm coming out here to show. And, you know, I'm either going to win or, I, or I'm going to go and learn. Like, mm-hmm. that's what it is. You're going to win or you're going to learn. And that's all you can do. Like, at the end of the day, it's one. Per- it's the judge who's judging you. Mm-hmm. There's only one person paid to judge you. Yeah. And you give him your money to judge you. <laughs> Sometimes. So you take his suggestions, but everyone else, you don't pay them to give them, yeah. give their opinion of you. So yeah. why do you notice it? Yeah, I know. And that's, but that, like, I love that you have that outlook because as I didn't have this outlook, like I was so nervous. Like I would, it, I learned very quickly that the top is so hard. Mm. Like, but when we brought the imported Marion Plum, I did the mental athletics and it literally changed how I thought. So let's just delve into that a little bit more, though. So you guys did import the mare yep. Plum Out of Town. Yep, import Plum Out of Town. And beautiful mare. And the mental athletics program is something with... Gil Freeman. Gil Freeman. Is mm-hmm. it just Gil Freeman? It's just Gil. So, sorry. So, but they're coming out here. They are coming out yeah. here. So that, um, I think, at the moment in, you know, sports across the world, not just horse riding, mental mindset, you know... A, 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 Mindset programs are, are really becoming mm-hmm. very apparent that they're needed. But I think in this day and age where mental health is such a big issue, mm-hmm. that having your mental health in check per se, whether you want to call it that or not, without a doubt, makes a big difference to your ability to perform, especially something where you're relying on an animal who can feel 
what you're feeling. And it'd be different if you were, you know, swimming or running. Driving when, a car. Dri- when you're on a horse that literally can, you know, we say can feel a fly land on their mm. back. If you are feeling anxious or stressed or nervous, that feeling will go through to your body and the horse is going to react yeah. to that. So that program has that really helped you. That helped me significantly. Mm. Like so, today, like I have total clarity in the show pen. I can think through things. Mm-hmm. I don't seem so rushed and I, I don't shout out to Gil. He, I don't know how he did it, but everything just clicks now. I'm like, okay. And even at home training, like I have a really cool futurity mare and I love her. And I said to mum yesterday, I'm like, no, I've got to push her because I know I'm going to come through the center and do something crazy. And she's just going to have to deal with it because I, I'm probably just going to panic on her. Yeah. And, and that, I, that's yeah. okay. You can panic on them. Yeah. You can do whatever, but You've just got to have it so you and them both understand that situation. And I think Equitana taught me a lot about that too. Yeah. Like that is one intense. Oh, yeah. <laughs> high music, <laughs> high adrenaline show. And like you go out there and that music's pumping. You're like, oh, gosh. Well, I feel, you know, it's funny you say that because I feel look, I went there on a horse as well that was fully not prepared to go into that situation and like I don't mean this disrespectful I think you had a horse that was probably a little bit too much for that horse but I look at that now and as sometimes I think you have to put yourself in situations that and I was talking to the, my, my last um, guest that I had on, Sam Chesnick, she's an inventor. She said, sometimes you've got to lean into the hard. Mm-hmm. Sometimes you've got to push to things to feel uncomfortable to then be like you kind of step back and yeah. go, okay, like I'm going to learn how to make that a better situation. And like you and I both went on horses that were like wigging out, you know, <laughs> yeah. and, and, and why did we take them? We did. We thought maybe <laughs> it'd be okay, but it didn't. But the... It, um, the knowledge that that gave me from going to that thing, oh, I yeah. think you just said the exact same thing, taking those horses there and it not going to plan and it kind of falling apart and then going, all right, like I know what I need to do. Mm-hmm. If I'm going to put a horse in that situation again, I know what I need to know. And I don't think any professional horse person would ever tell you that like, I've never been to a show and had a horse that wasn't prepared. Like everyone's going to oh, do it. You do it all the time. Yeah. And, and this and year, not, you know, it's not like doing it to hurt the horses. You genuinely don't you know. You just don't you know. There. Yeah. And this year, like, this is massive for us rainers. Mm, there's a lot on. There's a lot on. And, like, put aside my cow horse dreams <laughs> You've got a lot on. challenge. But, like, you look around. We've got a show this weekend. Mm-hmm. And then we've got VRs the week before ARBC. Mm-hmm. We're going, yeah, straight from Tatura to, to Dolby. Dolby. And then GV, yep. RA Raining Futurity. I'm sorry if I missed anyone. RA Raining Futurity. NRHA Oceana with the 60,000. And Aquitana. Yeah. We don't finish showing until November. Yeah. And this is Victoria. That's like if you want to go further into oh, Queensland, there's Tropicana, there's the, you know. Queensland State Queensland Show. Queensland State Show. PCRS. New South Wales State, State show. show. You know. Yeah. If you want to go to, you know, you go Tasmania, you go <laughs> yeah, South like, Australia, there's heaps of. Yeah. But there's, there's something this year. But my point is, that show year doesn't end until November. Mm, we've got a lot on. We've got a lot on. And like for us to have these horses ready, I think it's more of a mental game on ourselves mm-hmm. and to know how to look after ourselves and our horses in a whole different league yeah like i've already started thinking about my equitana horse and yeah how we're going to keep them mind sounds physically sound mentally sound mm-hmm. as well as myself like i've got a long show year with pressure yeah but what i've found to keep myself mentally checked is i read and i read the mental athletic books and mental mindset books because 
if I go on TikTok and Facebook. Just get into a hole, <laughs> a get, black hole. I get into this like, oh, that's really good. And half the times they're not even Australian horses. Mm. I'm like, oh, this Oh, you look at horses? I look at like <laughs> little baby dogs that have been abandoned in Asia and stuff. <laughs> really? <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, my, my TikTok's really, my algorithm's off. <laughs> no, mine's like There's a lot of these cooking really and <laughs> glimpse of really good horses. I'm like, oh. But that, and it's, you know, it's easy to get wrapped up in that though, because people put the highlights reel up and I was talking to someone about it the other day, like, and I do it, mate, who doesn't do it? Who doesn't go, I'm not going to put that shitty ass video, I'm going to put this bit where I look really good for this two second snap. But we look at other people's lives and try and, and compare our own. And I think, you know, you've just got to keep your, keep your eyes on the lane ahead of you and not worry about what everyone else is doing because. Without a doubt. And I think everyone's got to realise in this industry in Australia Everyone's got challenges. Mm-hmm. Like, we haven't got the indoors. We haven't got the surfaces. Yeah. <laughs> we haven't got the breed of horses. Everyone's in a challenge in themselves. Yeah. Like, it's easy to get caught up and go, oh, this person, oh, they have an indoor. They can ride seven days a week. Mm. Well, you don't know. Like, you don't know what other person You don't know. So and, we'll, and that's why I sort of wanted to do this whole thing of, you know, because to highlight the fact that people that we look at, like, you know what I mean? If you went to a show and looked at you, the way that you guys roll out there with your horses, you didn't know anything about it. You'd be like, oh, she's got it made. You know, everything's, mm. everything's perfect. And it's like, you know what? Like you've gone through your own struggles. And like I said, everyone does deal with that. And you don't know what someone's dealing with, you know, whether it's horse, personal, financial, oh. emotional, like whatever it is, like everyone's got something. And I think, you know, we, it here, it'd really, you know, be amazing <laughs> if we just, all probably a little bit more um, compassionate towards each other, oh, I guess. Oh, without a doubt. Like, it's one of those things, and it probably didn't open my eyes until I went to the States and just come home. They help each other. Mm. Like, I remember riding at Rubens. We'd have, like, one day we had, like, 25 people in the arena, and we are all riding horses. And there'd be, like, there was four level four futurity finalists yeah. in that arena, and it was, like... Everyone's helping people. Everyone was helping everyone else get ahead. Yeah. Like... And that's awesome. And I think it's, you know, like you said before about having a great team, it's all relative to probably who you surround yourself with. And I think, you know, as you mature and get older, you probably are more selective in who you surround yourself with, Um, you know, and and want to be around people that want you to do well. It's want you to do well, but you always want people around that challenge you. Char- iron sharpens iron. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like this weekend. Like, I still want to see what Cameron and Kieran have got and Lana and Kate. And, <laughs> Game um, on. Hey, I've got a futurity <laughs> horse now, right? I'm out. <laughs> but I want to see where they're Just at. make it up the entries. <laughs> I want to see where they're at. Yeah. Because at home here... You're just looking at yourself. Yeah. yeah. But do you, and, I, and I am also the same. And I, I... Not in a way where I want to be like, oh, mine's better than that. But you just want to go... Oh, yeah, mine's there. Like, yeah, you don't want to look at them and go... You just want that yeah, confidence. Just to say, oh, okay, cool, we're at the yeah. same level. And those people that you admire... Like, you know what I mean? If you're going to look at someone and say, I want to see what they're doing, they're obviously people that you admire as trainers You've in their own You've got to admire life. them. Like, yeah. you can't sit here and go, like, Cameron and Kieran, like, they'd be your biggest idols. Like, oh. two individual non-pros have won the amount they have. Yeah. And to be as graceful and respectful and in the industry mm-hmm. for this long. Yeah. And still there to say congratulations or good oh, job or 100% they're most humble people you <laughs> well you Cameron's know. the main reason why I went to the States for three months oh really yeah 
because he's you so kick up the ass. <laughs> yeah, <somewhere. I> did. <laughs> I needed it. He's like Tyler, just get your ass to the states. Yeah. He's like your mare's trained. Yeah. Go to the states and yeah, and me and Kieran sat in the states and talked about how much fun we like what was happening there and yeah. He, he I went oh if Cameron's telling me that I need to get my ass. I to the need states. to. But it's, it, that's, you know, I think even though we do have a small pool here in Australia, and I feel like we've got some really cool people for such a small little industry that we do have, I think that there's a really, you know, we've got a good little rating community. I definitely think that there are, you know, there's areas that need to be work on, maybe a little bit of, you know, <laughs> uh, <laughs> reconciliation between the states. That's a topic for another day. We love you, every, you know, every state in Australia rating crown, but... You know, I think that, um, you know, when push comes to shove, you know, there's some really fantastic people that do want you to do well and do, do, you know, have, you know, the best interests at heart. I think Australia thinks we're small, but you look around and, like, I'm going to sound bad, but, like, I went to the States and I was so grateful just to get put straight on horses and get straight into show pens and on great horses. Yeah. You look at Jack. Like, we don't, like, Australians can ride. Oh, yeah. Like, it's, we're no dummy country. We said Jack, Jack Daniels. Daniels. Yeah. Like, we, like, Australians can run. Like, you name those trainers over there, they're great. Guy Woods, Martin, Shauna. Yeah, you look at the guys, the people that have gone over there to do it, they're generally... They're good at it. Yeah. And, yeah. like, Mick's over there at the moment. And yeah. there's a heap of Aussies when you get going around. Liam Skies, shout out to Liam. He won... Shout out Liam, you legend. Yeah, he won something <laughs> end of year. On he was the high point um, intermediate yes, open. Like world champion intermediate yeah. open. I think rookie professional. He, yeah. You know, he's actually another, you know, a ripping guy. But you, you're probably right. Like, you know, we are small. But in the scheme of things, when you look at it for the amount of arenas with surfers, oh, yeah. we probably don't do that badly. Mm. You can considering what we've got to work with. It's funny, and I'm just going to say another really bad moment. <laughs> Our earnings don't get put onto the worldwide results. They're on just the Oceana ones? Yeah. So we don't get put into the NIHA worldwide. Oh, that's a bit of a bug. So if we did, like Kieran's in like 41. That's pretty cool. For worldwide. Yeah, in little pissy old Australia. Yeah, exactly. And that's my point. And I'm like, we're not that bad. Yeah, yeah, that's cool. Like, if you've been over there, and you know, for someone that's been over there and been in the industry over there and see what's going on, to you know, be able to look back here and go, you know, like, yeah, we, we're actually, yeah, all right, go Australia. <laughs> Good on us. <laughs> yeah. So but you did. You did spend spend a bit of time in the states yeah, just I recently, spent though. Three months. Yeah. I left straight after. The 60,000 last year. Yeah. And I came back middle of November. Yeah. And you had a really good experience. You worked for two trainers there. Yeah. I worked for Craig Smersel for two yep. months and I loved it. I yep. loved it. That was a whole different insight into the level four world yep. of Smersel Ranch. Yeah. Um, and then I went to Ruben Van Dorps and yep. I loved Ruben's. Yeah. So you kind of told me before it was sort of like, you know, um, going from the, you know, the sort of bigger number, big bit more intense kind of training facility to maybe a little bit more, you know, did they have the numbers there at Rubens or was it a little bit lower numbers? Um, we had probably a bit, we had lower numbers for sure, but we had a lot more, um, I'd say action. Yeah. A lot more horses getting sold and non-pro horses in yeah. and two-year-olds and um, Rubens in um, Aubrey around that area. It's near Denton. So we had everyone close to us. Like yeah. you did Cooper Smith or... 
Yeah. We You're in the Mecca. We were in the Mecca. Yeah. Like in Arizona, like we were just at Smarsel's Ranch and Yeah. That was the beginning <laughs> of the end of it. <laughs> it was desert. Arizona yeah. desert. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, sometimes I look at the people that live in Arizona and I'm like, why? Why would you live? It was there? so hot and I, like yeah. It, yeah, it's gorgeous and I'm like, it's the same view every day. But there's like you would never have to build marina because you just plow up some sand, so probably saving a shit ton of money. It's so hot there though. <laughs> <Not> <laughs> worth it. I have that roof, like for sure. Yeah. But I I don't know. Like I loved Rubens. Um, I give full credit to Ruben for helping me. Yeah. I've come back a different horsewoman. Yeah. He gave me probably the confidence I needed to say you can do it. Yeah. Like I had two year olds and derby horses, and he let me show and. Yeah. He was like, you've got this. Like, you can train a horse. Like, mm. just because you're young and you're a girl, don't think you can't. So what's the biggest thing that you think coming back from there that you – I know you said the confidence, but, like, let's say, like, tr- like what did he show you about the, your, what you were doing with your training to sort of advance that? He just had faith in me. Like, he just gave me a string of horses and went, these are yours. Yeah. And, like, I had two-year-olds and I had derby horses and every day he'd be like, you're good. Like, yeah. keep doing what you're doing. Keep doing what you're doing. And yeah. if I got trouble, I'd be like, hey, Ruben, like, I just don't get it. He'd be like, no, you'll figure it out. Like, <laughs> the old single swim, nothing wrong with that. But he was so good. He'd always be there. Yeah. But he wasn't on me. Like, there and like, if I felt that. something was really good, I'd be like, hey, Ruben, he's like, that's really good. And then he'd be like, oh, you're getting this horse and let's video this. This looks really cool. And yeah. he was just such, he's such a happy, genuine guy mm. where. He wants everyone to succeed. Like, he's one of the very few trainers. Like, he's a million-dollar rider. Mm. He did not ride one Futurity horse this year at didn't, the Futurity. Didn't have Gunny one. had one. Peter Furious had one. He gave them out. He's to, like, his, to his Just assistant. to, to um, other trainers. Yeah. Because he was only level four, and he went, oh, I don't think I'm level four. Here, take this horse. Yeah. Brian Bell finaled one of his horses. Like... Oh, <laughs> Oh, but, but, you know, he might have – and that's a really cool thing that I, I, I think you do see a lot more over there is trainers going, okay, this horse doesn't suit me. It suits you. Yeah. You take it. And, Not I, and I think that's the best for the horses and it's the yeah. best for the industry yeah. and it's best for our clients. Yeah. It's, and, and that's it, the biggest thing in reigning is we need clients Yeah. and we need to do them good. Like if we don't suit with it, I should go, hey, Steph, you're going to get along great with this horse mm. or just try it or – See what you reckon. See what you reckon. And I think that's something that we do – probably lack here in Australia and not because of anyone probably more so because of the lack of clients I think that that reigning trainers here are probably a bit reluctant to pass a horse on to someone else because there's not always going to be someone that's going to yeah. fill the spot whereas over there they you know if they've got 30 or 40 horses in the barn that's like a small stream which here you know other than you know like Kate and Lana but they're training horses for an array of things they've not yeah. got 40 reigning horses in there you know there's probably not many other trainers in the country that have got that number of horses in the Western. Probably not. I, I wouldn't imagine. So we were talking before. So you, when you made the choice to go over to America, you, when you had to go over there because you're obviously working for a trainer in the reining, in the cutting and, and you know, most of these sports, you, you have to be a professional if you yep. are making an income from riding, riding or training train or doing horses. anything like that. So you had to make the choice to step into that, professional role but you were able to take an apprenticeship so just run me through that and what your decision moving forward is because yeah it's it's a funny game the horse industry so what are your thoughts on that it is a funny game so I went over on an apprenticeship 
um, scheme, which is what NRHA and RA do, and it's where you work under an assistant trainer for 12 months or be a professional for 12 months to see if you like being a pro. It's not something for everyone. Life can change. Yeah. You might go, you know what, I hate riding 18 horses a day. It's or, not for me. There's no money in this. It's so <laughs> fun. Um, so I did that based on the fact that I knew I was going over for three months, yeah. probably longer. Um, but... I don't know. I'm still torn over it. Like, I love training horses. I truly do. Mm -hmm. But I think I'm still young. Mm -hmm. And I still have my own horses, which I'm lucky. If I didn't have my own horses, I'd be, yeah, yeah, okay. But I still have enough horses underneath me to go. Now I'll be right as a non-pro. I've got. I was going to say, I don't horses. think anyone's going to send you horses nicer than what you've got in your paddock. Like at the end of the day, that's. And that, and that's why I bred these horses. So I yeah. had them. Yeah. I wasn't relying on someone else to bring me those horses. Yeah. So there's a part of me saying, yeah, I think I know I can help people, and I maybe have a different training approach and maybe a lot more different techniques. Yeah. Um, but I think because I'm young. It's still a limit. It's yeah. still limiting me on being a trainer. Yeah. And it's such a hard thing because people go, oh, you're just young and it's industry. And, like, kudos to, like, the Norbreys and the Warrens and, like, they've been in it forever. Mm. And they're great at it. And they can teach someone like that. Yeah. But I'm, I'm secretly worried that this new style that we're breeding we won't have any young trainers to train them and i kind of look at that a little bit myself at you know i guess you look at the the main trainers in australia and i guess with the exception of probably yourself and, and lana kelderman who are under 30 and you know we've got like chelsea rags sort of relatively young too but like in that kind of younger bracket mm. there's not um you know, everyone's kind of at the end of their... This doesn't say this sounds bad. They're not at the end of their careers, but they're probably nearing that bit where they've been doing it for a very long yeah. time. And is there a, a group of young horse trainers that are going to come in and come through the ranks to keep the industry going? Like, where are... You know, where are those people? Do you see that well, they're there? Like, you've or? got Ashley Backhouse. Oh, yeah, definitely. She's, she's going to She's going to be... A force to be reckoned with. You've got Lana, um, you've got Chelsea, you've got yourself, you've got me. And I'm sure there's more out there. Yeah. But I'm worried who and I and everyone always said to me, You've got to do your time, you've got to go to the States, you've got to go to the States, you've gotta go learn. Yeah. Like Yeah, you've gotta go learn. But you, you, I think you, you do have to go learn. But then there also comes a point where you got to go right. Oh, look, I'm gonna, I, I got to put myself out there and, oh, and be a horse trainer. And and at the end of the day, like, like you said before, like you've trained these few horses, and some of them you look back, go, I wish I could do it again. Like, it's gonna happen even when you go professional. Like, mm -hmm. I, I think with the younger generation coming through as well, we're losing a little bit. And not to take away, we've got some unbelievable youth coming through, but a lot of you know, a lot of them riding kind of quite good horses. Uh, do you think like some of these younger generation and not just in the rain, I'll be the cutting camp, riding, whatever, are they losing that um, period when you're a kid where you really learn how to ride on, 
you know, lesser lesser horses or older horses that takes the absolute piss out of you. Because I think that, you know, sometimes they're Look, as bad as each other. It's funny. When I was a youth, junior youth showing cutters, mm. every person I show junior youth with is still in the horse industry as a cutter. Yeah, right. Like some of them in the state, some of them are trainers, like every one of them mm-hmm. is still in this industry. Yeah. But then I look at the reiners and who I've grown up with, barely are there. And I had like those cutters, we used to haul weekends and they'd like, we'd go ask Miss like Richard Bull if we could still, like still who's top cat. And they were riding incredible horses Yeah. because you had to, I, I'm pretty like, I'm looking back now and going, you had to have the manners to go ask you. They needed to know you had the care for those horses and mm. you looked after those horses to go get those horses. Mm. But I, I applaud the cutting for keeping those kids. Like yeah, the big. Smith boys, Lacey Elliott. Oh, yeah. They're all Beck Boyd, Sim. Yeah. yeah. They were all youth with me. Yeah. And they're all still and very heavily involved in it. they're still involved in it. Yeah. But then the Rainers, I'm like, how do we keep these kids interested? Is it mm. too expensive for parents to go buy a finished trained rainer so their mm. kid could learn yeah. and get them hooked. Or should we change? We sign up to change a rule that says youth can ride anyone's horse mm. because then you get, like, I put someone on my mare. Yeah. Oh, 100%. You'd let them. Oh. I, would, I would exactly the same. I would definitely. And it, and it does. You're, yeah, I think that's a really good point that um, it is expensive to get involved in raining. It's very expensive to go to the shows and do the things and the training and all the stuff and um, yeah, if, if there was a, a pathway to sort of, like you said, keep the youth a little bit more hooked on and, and make it. And, and they've had some really good programs like the Introduction of the Youth Derby and, you know, the Saddle Series mm-hmm. they've run at OC. And, um, yeah, I, I just think, you know, if there's any youth out there listening to these podcasts, you know, just know that we do want, you know, we, yeah, we're we're we're, we we're know they're in the industry. And we, yeah. Like I was a youth myself and I can't name the kids in the industry mm. but that, uh, it'd be cool do you like if you ever had a, a youth rider like you know is that something that you've ever thought about doing as like mentoring any youth riders to yeah sort of... i think it's something that the sport doesn't do mm. it's something to encourage those youth a lot more yeah like we could it's one of those things and then it's a bit harder the youth these days are so, <laughs> are so probably mature yes than what like growing up, than than what up i was growing up even the way they show though i look oh. at some of them show it and it's amazing like some of these young kids that have come through that come out of other disciplines and they can ride right. like they're already oh. good riders but their way that they get around and show it's it's like mature beyond their years which is un- unbelievable yeah but yeah there's a little bit i'm like I, I hope that they want to go and learn to train and educate and do all the other things and learn how to put wraps on properly learn how the to horse care of things is probably I've, a big thing yeah isn't it? and that, that's something i learned from the cattle shows like mm. you weren't going to win anything if you didn't look after your animals yeah yeah, you could be standing with a bucket picking their poop up, wiping their bum <laughs> exactly. with the, with the like, thing. And, like, you weren't going to win anything. Yeah. And, like, and you got looked down upon if you weren't up before 4 a.m. cleaning yeah. beds. Yeah. Like, no one was going to give you a job. And I look around and I go, I hope the youth these days realises the horse is everything. Yeah. yeah like, I'm, I'm mad here. I, I still ice boot after every work and buy a rug. And yeah. My mares all go out and they've all got to be happy and sound and... I make sure my vet, my farrier, everyone's on the same page because that's my teammate. Yeah. 
Like you said, like, having a strong, strong team behind you. Yeah. The horse is the ultimate team. Exactly. And you've got to look after them. And if you've, like, my futurity mare, she's a weirdo in her own right. And, like, I know her little nicks that annoy her. Mm. And I've got to make sure that she's comfortable because if she doesn't sleep or doesn't, I, I can't expect her to go do her best tomorrow. Yeah. And that's something I struggled with Wonder Woman because she was deaf. And she doesn't show any emotion at all. She's like, she's just like, whatever. And like, you come home from a show and she'd be like, like she'd lost weight, but you couldn't sense she was stressed. She wouldn't ride stress. Just something, Mm. she just wasn't comfortable. And it's something I'd try and figure out today. If it was the lights or she didn't like hauling as much, maybe I should have not hauled her Mm. as much or... And they can talk to us. But that, like, you going through that experience with that horse is, you know, it's all learning. And I, I think, um, you know, like I said, if there's any youth listening to this that ever, you know, wanted to reach out to someone like yourself or, like, you know, any of the horse trainers, like, make sure you do it because I think that... And there's you, no stupid question. No. Either. And like, I, th- I think we have all actually have got their back. We all want them to succeed. Oh, without a doubt. So don't feel like... And, and this doesn't just go for youth. If you're a rider in general and you, you know need some sort of support or help or just someone to, like, but, to talk to, I think, in you know, obviously pertaining to the industry. Like, horse trainers aren't just on their back horse trainers. Mm. Like You're half a bloody psychologist. Well, you're ha- you, yeah, you are. You're half a psychologist, you're a horse trainer, but you're also a guidance for people to ask anything for. Mm. Like my idea of a horse trainer is that you're good at what you do. So you should be, like, you can help anyone do anything. If it's take the time and learn, teach someone how to put wraps on a horse properly, yeah. there you go. Maybe it's teaching put a shoe back on. Yeah. There's things that... Those are all beneficial things. They're all beneficial things. And it, it's funny, like, I, again, I'll brag on you a little bit. You, we were talking the other day about, you know, you do a lot of stuff yourself. The fact that you mm. can put a shoe back on, that you, the horse care that you do for your horses that you learnt from showing the cattle and just have been growing up around people that put that care at the forefront. But I look out here at your arena right now and I know that you out, out there and welded the fences yourself. You put shelters together yourself. Like I think you're, you know, people, something people don't realise about you is like how much you, you know, you get shit done, you know, and you've had to, you've had to step up and do these things I yourself. I remember one year at Brisbane Royal, it was a cattle... It's one of the biggest cattle shows in Australia. And we are standing there, and I had some steers, and they weren't great. And someone said, oh, you'll never be as good as me. Who to me and that? my mum. <laughs> and, like, we went, you know what? Okay. So next year, we went and found some really good steers. That was the April after that, we won Sydney mm-hmm. with Wardo. And then we went to Brisbane the following year, and I won... Let me find the photo so I don't get this wrong. <laughs> It's on the wall somewhere. <laughs> yes, up there. I won reserve champion lightweight, first in class one and one class six. I had all most decorated steers that day. And that following afternoon, he turned around to some other people sitting next to us and he goes, oh, they'll never be as good as us. What? And I just, I went, I love people like that. It makes I, you work harder. It makes you work harder. And I did that with the rails and whatever I built and everyone's like, no, you can't do it. I'm like, I might screw up. <laughs> but you went out there and you had a crack. You, they haven't fallen down yet. <laughs> hey, they look pretty neat to me. Like, I'm not going to go out there a spirit level, but like, 
but that's please a, don't. <laughs> but that's a mental a mental thing. I think is having the ability to not and like that is a determining factor. I think in whether you're going to be successful or you're going to wallow in your own self pity. The fact that you can take that someone saying that and go, you know what, I'm not going to let that engulf me and ruin my day. I'm going to go, you know what, I'm going to show you. But and my worst thing about like doing the farm stuff, like going welding, is I'm going to go to the tool shop. Do they look at you and be like, is this for your dad? Yeah, they judge me so much. They're like, what are you doing now? And I'm like, I'm just like welding the shelter together. Right. And I'm like, Don't can burn you your just house not judge me? Like, and it's interesting being a young woman, how, and I, it's funny that this is still apparent in this day and age. You think that it would have gone, you know, we've moved on from that. But you can be standing, and this isn't everyone, but like you can be standing in a, in a group full of, older mature men and they will walk around and shake every man's hand mm-hmm. and completely bypass you and i just think that that mentality is so outdated and there's so many these young inspirational and like not even young just so many inspirational women that you know we still kind of get fobbed off a little bit as like oh without yeah a like, doubt. Oh, and i like get back in the kitchen kind of you know do i your... give full credits i remember last year at abc I was sitting in the pen. It was some ungodly hour that we ride our reining horses. Mm-hmm. And I was sitting with Warren and Butsy yeah. and Todd Graham. Some of the big wigs. Some of the, like the, the biggest the, wigs, the biggest in, Australia. wigs in, Australia. in Australia. And they were all so nice and so polite and so encouraging. Yeah. And I went, why can't everyone be like this? Yeah. They are. All three of those guys are, are genuine. They're genuine horsemen. Yeah. And they will see anyone succeed. And yeah. like... Warren is probably one of my biggest idols. He's been there mm. my whole life, yeah. known me since I was a baby. And he's got incredible girls, Natasha and Ashley and Haley. Yeah. And I give him full credit for raising strong horsewomen in this industry. Yeah. And they're not successful just in the reigning pen. Like they've no. got some of the top show <laughs> horses that they say, do for fun. Yeah. Know, um... Well, Tash has the show horses with Haley, and yeah. she also can train one hell of a pleasure horse. Oh, yeah. And they're... Ash, like if Ash decides to get on the cow horse, we're all in trouble. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I think that's. Um... <laughs> but it's, I just, I that night I was sitting there and I was like, this is three of the best men horsemen in Australia. Yeah. And they're having the time to talk to a 25-year-old girl yeah. just talking and talking stuff. And I'm like, this is why I love the industry. Then that's the thing. There are such amazing bits to it too, isn't it? And I think when you get around those people, um, I know, this is like my favourite quote that I keep referring <laughs> back to is like, the competition's at the bottom, they're collaborating at the top. And I think yeah. what you just said there, those three guys who are like at the top of the top, the fact that they're happy to... You know, like you said, that they made you feel like that. That's, you know, oh. that's what it's about. And you, and when you surround yourself with people that are like legitimately, you know, they've made it to the top and they've been in that that realm for a long time. I think, you know, their their outlook, they've had those experiences, the ups and downs yeah. and arounds, and and they're the sort of people that you want to surround yourself with mm-hmm. and emulate. And it really, you know, they they bring positivity to your life. And but they also bring fun. Like Warren last year, he would like open pen middle of the night. I don't even know. But, like, he got off my horse, stopped really good, gave it a pat, and then Warren, like, comes straight down running at me. And there was sand everywhere. And the whole pen was laughing. I was like, this is the best thing. Yeah. Like... Makes it fun. It makes it fun. And mm. sometimes raining is so individualised and it's me against you. And we forget some of the fun. Yeah. 
and we forget that everyone's there for the love of the sport and the horses and yeah. the people around us. And well, it is. We start. We do this because it's fun. And yeah. It does, I, I think sometimes we need that reality check to come back and go. You know what? Even if you go in and have a balls up, like go out, hug your horse, yeah, exactly. whatever. Tomorrow's another day. There'll always be another horse yep. show. Like I think. Um, and that's a mental maturity thing to get to that point where you can go in and do that. And I, yeah. I you know, for me, looking like just talking to you now, like what you said you've gone through in the last couple of years with, you know, the, you know, traveling and, and this and that, like you, it's like, you've kind of come to that point where you're a bit more like, not that you're ever not like that, but you just really settled in what you're doing and you're like, I've got a clear path. Yeah. And, and, you know, I think we'll see that in your showing in the next 12 months as well. Like I'm really I excited. I hope so. I've, yeah worked hard on my show team this year and I've got myself and I said to mum yesterday I sat there on my fertility horse and I said I don't want her to be unprepared for anything yeah you want to know that whatever happens she's ready yeah so let's um we probably should wrap things up here because we've both got to get to a horse show (laughs) yeah so you've got a cool team of horses out there let's so for the future looking ahead like I you know What's the what's on the horizon for Tyler other than greatest horseman, greatest <laughs> horsewoman, the futurity for the cow horse? What are your reigning horses out there and what, what are we looking forward to? So I have a four-year-old futurity mare. She's the youngest wimpiest little step mare in the country. And she's a cracker. She is out of red chilli pepper. That is a mare and I will hand on heart say she has been one I have trained from the start how I want to train one. Yeah. She's... One of the best mares I've had. Yeah. And I love her. Yeah. Um, then my little cow horse mare, mm-hmm. Susie. Susie. Um, whiskey time. I only got her June last year. Mm-hmm. She's a Hickory Holly time at Arundadoon Whiskey Cat. She may make her debut in the reigning pen. She's going to GV this weekend mm-hmm. just to get the reigning stuff figured. Yeah. Um, she's pretty cool. She's got a heart of steel. Yeah. Um, I had mum's imported mare, Hick Plum out of town. Yeah. Big Holly with Tinsel Town out of... So she's derby horse. She's my derby horse. Yeah. Um, I don't have a three-year-old. I sold him. Yep. Bogey girls have got him. Yeah. He'll be cool. He's a. Um, he was a Tinsel Town. Tinsel Town. Yeah. And then I've got a two-year-old. Spook's got a whiz colt. Pretty excited about that one. I love that one. Yeah. Out of my Einstein mare. Yeah. So you've got a few on the go here at the moment, yep. but uh, you know, so your main show horses are your Wimpy's little step and your yep. and your imported mare Polly yep. out of town. Um, so we are, you know, I'm really just talking to you. I'm actually really excited to watch your show for the rest of the year. You've got a, you know, such a dynamic team of horses underneath you. Um, and wish you all of the luck. Thank you. And I think, you know, we've really covered everything now and I really, really appreciate you just taking the time with me to talk about. I appreciate being on here. No, it's, it's really cool because I think, you know, you know, I was going to wrap it up, but it's sometimes, you know, in the, these sort of, you know, industry podcasts, we want to talk to the guys that have been doing it for a hundred years, which I also want to talk to, but I just think that there's a perspective from the, you know, maybe not been in it as long, that's still just as valuable, that is still just as important to people coming into the industry or that may have been in it for a while that they'd love to see as well. So I really appreciate you, you know, telling me about. Oh, I applaud those people that come into the industry and make waves. I think it's the best thing you can do. You but do. I also yeah. impl- I applaud those people that have been in the industry for so long mm. and are still idolised. And they've shaped the industry into what oh, it is. You, you know, we wouldn't can't just... deny that they've shaped it. But yeah. it's also the back people. It's not just the trainers. It's the people that give up their time and mm. the committees. and. Yeah, we wouldn't have shows if we didn't we, have committees. No, we wouldn't have shows or the history or... 
there's some instrumental people in, yeah. in like in raining as a whole, not RA or NRHA, just in a whole. There's some people that have been mm. so influential and I applaud those people and yeah. they're still in it today. And in 30 years, Tyler, they'll be like, oh, you know, Steph Lansfield, Tyler Smith, they're all biddies now, but gee, they've made waves. So we'll be like, we'll listen back to like, Remember that time we did that podcast 150 years ago? But yeah, like. If we live that long. <laughs> run and run into the fences. <laughs> and you can't horse to Yeah, no, no, you'll be fine. Um, so thanks so much, Tyler. We'll, we'll wrap things up. But um, yeah, if you want to get in touch with Tyler about her breeding program, Cowgirl Performance Horses. And they've got some, you know, fantastic babies on the ground. Mm, also, shout out to our studs we represent, yep. Travelling Jones. Yeah, if you want to breed Ultimate Cow Horse. Yep. P.S. Mega Shang Chick Crush, one yep. of the biggest influential up and coming sires in the States. Yeah. And Electric Co. Yeah, so, you know, she's got all the bases covered and the mare power here too. So yep. if you don't have a mare and you want to produce something, get in contact with Cowgirl Performance Horses. But for now, I think we'll wrap it up, Tyler. Thanks, Steph. All right, we'll catch you later. <laughs>